Hey everybody, welcome to the first edition of the post-show Q&A. Every week from here on out, after we do the main episode of the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast, we're going to spend half an hour in some sort of live platform. In this case, it was Instagram Live, and it probably will be uh, for the most part. And we're going to hang out for about half an hour and just answer a bunch of your questions on the live chat. Now, we have the guest from episode 431, Nick Gray, editor-in-chief of Fandroid, and myself, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? And the two of us just hung out with you guys talking about things like the Galaxy Z Fold 2 versus the Note 20 Ultra. We also put out a little bit of speculation in regards to the Pixel 5 and how excited we are about it. But in general, we just had a great time hanging out with all of you. Look forward to our next episode of the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast and see if you can join us for the post-show Q&A as well. We do a teaser for it right before we start recording the main episode, so if you can catch that, join us on the live platforms. We'll see you in the next episode, everybody. Enjoy. I'm going to do my best to sync up the audio. This is a whole new challenge for me, but here we go. Uh, welcome to the first ever Q&A episode of the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. This is also how we are going to bring back the live edition uh, or a live edition of the Pocket Now Weekly. So I, we kept thinking about it, uh, you know, how to bring back a live thing. IGTV actually did work really well for us uh, during this uh, 2020. So we thought we'd bring it back here. I might bring it to Twitter and Facebook and maybe some sort of YouTube thing. But it's just going to be a half hour after we record each episode where the guest and I just kind of hang out for half an hour, answer your questions in the chat. Uh, hopefully we get to all of them. Of course, if a lot of people are putting questions in there, uh, it'll be a little tough for us to scroll all the way back using this, but it is what it is. Uh, Nick, thank you for being on this week's episode. Uh, you've been on plenty of them this past uh, 2020. So thank you for being on the pilot episode of the Q&A. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. All right. So great question for you. Um, Someone asked, let me scroll all the way back if I can get all the way back there, because IGTV can be a little bit hard when it comes to this stuff. Somebody asked about the Galaxy Fold 2. Oh, Brandon. Brandon uh, asked, are you going to get a custom Galaxy Fold 2? And here's where I landed on the Fold 2 once I tested it and did my reviews for, for JV in particular. Um, my main question going into using a foldable device on the daily was... Is this phone going to provide more for me than just a more fun and bigger smartphone experience? If the question, if the answer to that question was no, then I did not feel right spending two grand on it. That ultimately became the case. Um, I love the Fold 2. I think it's a great device. I enjoyed my time with it. Call of Duty Mobile and Rockman X Dive on that big screen is literally an experience you can't have anywhere else unless you are willing to play it on a tablet. But yeah, I just, it's a fun device and that's all it ended up being. And that's why I ultimately said, no, it's not for me. So you just got your hands on it. You've been doing camera mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, do you have, do you have any early thoughts? Uh, so I'm kind of with you on, you know, seeing if a foldable device is the right device for me. My, my previous experience with foldable devices, I, I got to test out uh, the Fold last year just for a couple days, not a full review. But then I got the Z Flip, and I actually really like that device. But with the Fold 2, my review approach is not me uh, just reviewing the device. It's more of, uh, I've started doing it already, a vlog-style review, seeing if a week with this device can convince me that foldable displays are the future and this is where we should be going with smartphone technology. So I'm on day three of that. 
Uh, as you said, I've tested out the cameras so far. I've been using the phone as my main device. Um, there are some benefits to having that larger screen. I honestly think that you know having that cross device between a phone and a tablet can be useful for some people. Uh, but then you mentioned things like gaming, and I, I saw a lot of people doing this, playing Call of Duty, Duty Mobile on the Fold, and you have a much bigger experience. Uh, but actually, I had to put it down after 15, 20 minutes uh, because of a different, a couple different factors. The The weight of this thing is incredible. It is heavier <laughs> than a tablet. Like this thing, this thing is just as heavy as what an eight inch or nine inch tablet is just because of the metal build and the glass on the back. Um, it's extremely heavy. So it's not really comfortable for playing for a long period of time. But then also the aspect ratio. While it does lend itself for what seems to be a more immersive experience. It's actually a cropped in experience. So you don't get any of your peripheral vision that you would get on a 16 by nine display. It's it's literally cut off. So if you have, especially for first person shooters, you're literally cut off from about 20 to 30% of the screen that you would get on a regular smartphone. But, it that's, does look, but that's left to right though, right? Because yeah, it's because top, le- top and bottom you get more. On no, the, you get the, the same. Top and bottom. You get the really? same. I, I top felt and like bottom. you got more on the top and bottom. No, you get you get the same view, except so it's like you're, you're it's like you're on a smartphone if you're you're here, and then they're just cutting off this, and you get that wider or taller aspect ratio, but it's it's the same. So I had to quit after I don't know fifteen minutes, and the other reason I quit was because it's you're feeling the plastic on the screen and so scrolling your fingers with on-screen controls isn't as smooth as glass so you get a little bit more friction there uh and especially when it's a larger display uh unless i i hadn't calibrated my controls on-screen controls yet to make them a little bit smaller so that they're and more responsive um so the on-screen dis- controls for Call of Duty Mobile were driving me crazy after after 15 minutes. And I was like, no, I'm going back to my uh, OnePlus 8 Pro uh, just because it's a much, much better experience for me at least. Um, but as far as like it felt bigger and it's because like because the screen is bigger, it does feel more immersive. It feels like you're in the game more, but I don't yeah. think it gives you a competitive advantage with with that feeling because of the other detractors that it you know it's it's heavier the screen's not as smooth so your your fingers scrolling on the screen aren't as quick and responsive and then for me at least it felt like i was i lost my peripheral vision uh in it so but i i, I still I, have I think that five per, days to go i think i think for for call of duty the whole peripheral vision thing maybe that is correct but i can tell you for certain on a platformer like rockman x dive it definitely mm-hmm. rendered more of the top and bottom because there was more of that there. So on a regular yeah. phone, if there was a platform underneath me that I would not see until I fell off the current one, I could see it on the full two screen that because it was there. literally there. Yeah. So it, was, it, it literally showed up there. Um, in the same vein of the full two question, uh, someone did ask, would you pick a Note 20 Ultra or the Fold 2? And I think that's an interesting question because these are two very specific niche devices, niche lines that mm-hmm. Samsung have created for themselves. So it's S Pen or Fold? S Pen or Fold? 
Uh, for me, I would go with the Note 20 Ultra. Uh, and I think so too. For, for a couple different reasons, uh, one of them being the cameras. The cameras on the Note 20 Ultra are better cameras. Uh, that being said, I have been enjoying taking selfies uh, with the Fold since you can use the main cameras on the back. So if you're in the selfies, the Fold would be the better option there. You can use the ultra-wide or the standard, uh, especially yeah. in low-light conditions. You do see a huge improvement. Uh, but as far as overall usability of the device, I would say the Note 20 Ultra, for me personally, would be a better fit for my my use cases. Yeah, I, I would agree. The the cameras, the main cameras being used as your selfie shooters and then the cover screen being your viewfinder, that's still the most memorable part of that phone for me. And it, it, it didn't convince me that foldables were absolutely our future, but it did make a good case for different form factors. So I'm totally with you there. Um, so yeah, the, the Fold 2 and the Note 20 Ultra, I would probably go for Note 20 Ultra because if you ask me, there are a couple of use cases with the Note 20 Ultra here that just are not available on the Fold 2, like using the S Pen as a remote trigger. So you may not get the exact same selfie environment or selfie circumstance, but at least you can still like line it up and then use the S Pen as your, as your button. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. We had some questions about the Pixels. Uh, one of them was talking about, I didn't see this, but someone just mentioned that there's a Bose pre-order deal for the Pixels. I didn't see what was going on there. I know Bose put out some new products recently. Uh, I, I, not here in the US. I think it's in Canada or the UK. If you pre-order, they give you something with Bose. I forget what it was. It's not something that I've seen here in the US, though. They did, uh, Bose did... Uh, continue their their smart glasses in a way well the audio glasses i don't know if we should call them true smart glasses but they have their audio glasses they brought out a few a couple of new styles for it which i love seeing like i actually really like the bose frames and it's good to see that they're not giving up on them completely and then the new uh noise canceling earbuds so i don't know like the bose audio products tend to be quite good i do like the bose 700s uh, but yeah, if that's the bundle that you get with the Pixel 5, maybe it might make it a little bit worth it. And on, on, the, on the topic of price, uh, Louis247, uh, what do you think about the price of that Pixel 5? We talked about this a little bit in the main episode, um, which if you're listening to this on a Monday, you probably heard what we thought about the Pixel 5. But for our audience here, we made this, Nick and I made this point that honestly, the price is kind of perfect for what it is providing and what is needed right now in an era when people's money is a little bit tighter. And part of the reason why a phone like this can can be can exist at $699, $599 is because the MVP of 2020 is absolutely the Snapdragon 765G. Totally. Yeah. I I, I think the price is perfect because the processor has proven itself time and again, and now it mm -hmm. will again in the latest Pixel. So I don't know if you want to expand on that a little bit for our for our audience on the live. Yeah, and the one thing to consider, which I mentioned again on on the podcast episode, is that the uh, Pixel 4a 5G is really just a 5 light. As far as the specifications go, it's pretty much the same device using the same cameras, same processor. It does have six gigabytes of RAM versus eight. But that being said, uh, the performance of the device is going to be extremely similar, and it does have a, a slightly larger display, even though the frame rate is set to 60 versus 90. Um, 
and it's $200 cheaper. So if you really don't care about the build quality of the device being a metal phone and having wireless charging on the Pixel 5 and the Pixel 4a 5G not having those features, go with the $200 cheaper device. I mean, honestly, most people are going to slap a case on it anyways. Uh, for me, I'm I'm really digging that sort of green color. And as we talked about on the other episode, I love metal devices, even though this is not metal that you'll be able to feel since it's covered in a poly resin on the outside. Uh, but those HTC touches from back in the day are coming back to these Pixel smartphones. And I think that's a good thing. And that's something I'm willing to spend my money on. Yeah, uh, we, we got another question earlier on. Uh, it kind of flew by. But the uh, the question was, uh, how do you feel about the wireless charging considering the Pixel 5 is a metal phone? Well, again, we talked about this on the main episode. I kind of love this because when I heard this, I was like, good on you, Google, for like figuring that problem out. They literally cut a hole in the frame. They literally cut a hole in the aluminum mm-hmm. so that the coil could actually like touch or rather it could it could sense a wireless charger. And I'm like, good on you. Like, honestly, if I were to just peel off that backing and I see a hole there, I'm like, okay, you got me. You got me. That that, that was a good move. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think it's more than just a hole. It's they put a hole and then shave down the metal and there's actually mm. a coil on the outside of the metal. And then the poly resin is covering the charging coil. Yeah. Uh, Sravan Kalaspati. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly but uh not a question just saying that it's 2 a.m in india thank you for hanging out with us then we really appreciate you uh jumping onto the ig live as we do our little q a tk is in the chat uh great crew hey josh and nick yeah tk one of uh one of my go-to's when it comes to these episodes every week um by the way somebody did mention that we should be getting jaime back on if anyone follows jaime on uh on social media then you would know he has finally made his way back to new york and i didn't want to he's probably getting settled in and probably chilling out uh like getting ready for techtober as literally all of your tech personalities are probably already complaining about on twitter (laughs) um So I didn't really want to bother him too much with like the podcast and whatnot, but I do plan on having him on for most of the episodes moving forward since we have things like the Pixel coming in, iPhone 12, uh, OnePlus, uh, trying to think of all the other things that are probably going to come out in the next month. But there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. that's coming. So of course, we will have Jaime on. Um, On the topic of that, somebody did say or ask, between the Pixel 5 and the iPhone 12, I don't know, where, where is your excitement more? And I get that I'm asking the editor-in-chief of Fandroid, but... <laughs> uh, and, you know, honestly, it, it comes down to if you're in one camp or the other, you're typically not yeah. excited about one phone or the other. And not to say that one platform is better than the other, but uh, people, it's really hard to make the switch. I've I've purchased iPhones the last couple of years to do comparison reviews for for Fandroid and the YouTube channel. And so I've gotten more familiar with iOS as a platform, but it's still not one of those platforms that for me personally is suited best for my needs. And looking at the specs and what we've seen from iPhones in the past and what the rumors have been, there's no there's not going to be an iPhone that ever surpasses an Android phone when it comes to specs but Apple's proven time and time again that you don't need all the best specs to have a good phone and that's really what makes me kind of excited for the Pixel 5 it's not in 
what we would technically consider a flagship tier. It does not have the Snapdragon 865 processor like all the other flagship tier devices that we've seen this year. It has a mid-range spec processor. But even so, I think it's a device that's still worth considering, still a device that's worth buying. It's not going to be able to offer the same performance um, that a flagship tier phone would have and probably won't be able to compete head-to-head with the iPhone 12. But as far as cameras go, Pixel's been the leader for the last two to three years now. And I think Apple, no matter what hardware that they throw at it, they'll still have a ways to go to catch up with Google's computational photography and being able to just snap a picture and have something that's instantly worth sharing to social media or, you know, even printing and hanging on your wall. Yeah, it's it's um, on the topic. I keep saying on the topic uh, to your point about moving to the ecosystems and whatnot like obviously i used to work at android authority so iphones and apple products were very much not a daily staple for me it wasn't something that i was completely familiar with until i uh you know just moved on and now i'm actually on this ig live using an iphone 11 pro um and i've heard people all the time talk about certain parts of the ecosystem that they just sort of enjoy so much i'm finally one of those people and it's because of this um I have to credit Brian Tong for sort of putting me on this mindset. He said that Brian Tong, Mr. Apple bits himself, like he's been the Apple guy for such a long time, but he did say that his favorite device from Apple has always been the Apple watch. It proves a lot about the ecosystem. Now that I have finally worn one for a week for the first time ever, man, I get it now. Like it's true. If I had to pick one device from all of Apple's ecosystem that actually really impresses me and I'm very happy to have, it is the Apple Watch. You know what the funny part is, though? It's an ecosystem. I can't use this without an iPhone. <laughs> so here I am in the walled garden officially because of a watch. So I have to give them credit for that. Um, that being said, as a multi-phone user, you can live in the ecosystem without using an iPhone. You can have iMessage turned on and on your your phone turned off and put it in a corner and still use an Android device and still get the messaging and all that uh, pushed through to the watch. So, I mean, uh, we're kind of unique in that situation. Most people oh, would sure. not have an extra Android phone and an iPhone to just pair a watch with. But um, glad to see the watch is working out for you because you were a little bit hesitant the other week when you were like, should I buy it? Oh should I God. not? Should I buy it? And I said, just I go buy think- it. Just do it. I still think it's the ugliest watch of all time. Like I still think so. Um, but then when you when when you think about it, third party accessory support on Apple products has always been one of the biggest selling points. And that's the reason why this probably looks very different from what you would expect an Apple Watch to look like. That's because I trolled Amazon for a solid two days looking for every accessory that I could use in order to make this look the way I wanted. But if you were to take it in a vacuum, I still think this is like a really ugly watch. Like I wish that Apple would call it the Apple wearable or something like that. Like <laughs> because it's just it's just not a watch. It's not that you know, bad. I, Come on. Nah, I I coming from Android Wear or Wear OS and coming from hybrid smartwatches that actually look like timepieces, this is so this oh my god, here it comes. <laughs> Which one? Which one? Which well, one honestly, do you look at? Honestly, the majority of those look really great to me already. Like, not to say that circular watch faces are way better, uh, like, by default. It's just that many of them do look good, and they happen to be circular. That's just how I feel. Which one's that? Uh, This is the Skagen. Oh, yeah. I figured. 
You have the blue um, band, is, though. I do have the blue band, yeah. The Scoggin, and then a Mobvoi, Tickwatch C2. Uh, one of my favorite ones for, for running those, the Sunto 7. This one is yep. built for diving, and that's something that the Apple Watch is not. But I don't go diving, so it's just nice to say that I have a diving watch. But no, yeah. but that's the thing That's the thing that you get with Wear OS. There is a variety of options from a variety of different brands. Most of them are actually made by Fossil Group for a lot of the fashion brands. True. Like true. the Sunto one is made by Fossil. I have a Diesel one that's made by Fossil. I have an Armani one that's made by Fossil Group. Um, but with that, you get a whole v- variety of different styles that can go with your wardrobe in different occasions, which a lot of people really love having a timepiece that they can use as a fashion accessory, not just a fitness tracker with you know a glorified messaging system. Exactly. Um, I will say... Uh, anybody out there that might be keeping score? Yes, I am the OG Pebble lover. So of course, I who am I to say that you know the Apple Watch is ugly when the Pebble had a whole different look to it as well? Here's the thing, though. Yes, it was called Time the Pebble steal, Watch. Man. Yeah, yes, it was called the Pebble Watch in a way, smart watch. But watch was never fully part of their like marketing. This is still like this is literally called Watch OS, pe- uh, Apple Watch, Watch, Watch. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I can't. There, there's a sort of cognitive dissonance that I have whenever I hear the word watch in the Apple Watch. I'm like, not really though. <laughs> it's just the way that I feel half the time. Um, but yes, uh, back to our questions in the chat for a little bit. Um, oh, we did get one question regarding the Pixel 5 and the IG story from earlier. So if you did send that question in, that's great. Uh, Nick did play around a little bit and say, why is Josh so cute? Well, I'll let the uh, I'll let the chat answer that one. Um, why is Josh so cute? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let the chat talk about that one. But the other question that we literally got in the questions was, why Pixel phones are not launching in India, especially the Pixel 5? We saw that question when we got off the actual podcast recording. As it turns out, the 3A, right? The 4 and the 4A are all meant to be available in India. It takes a long time for them to, like in the case of the 4A, it doesn't seem like it's available yet in the Google Store for India. Um, but I think the more, I think the bigger conversation when it comes to this is the price of the Pixels and the iPhone for that matter um, in India, because here in the US, these are phones that are touted as not really cheaper, but more affordable mid-range alternatives. Meanwhile, once they arrive in places like Asia and India, they become they're still way really more expensive. expensive. Yeah. Yeah. So the the average the average smartphone in India sells is under two hundred US dollars, and I think more than I think it's more than eighty percent of the market um, is smartphones under three hundred dollars, and none of these devices fit that. So they would already be in a premium tier category and for what the competition is over in India you have Xiaomi you have um Poco you have all these chinese brands that have bargain basement deals on some really incredible devices that um even with Google's devices coming they would seem like an extreme ripoff compared to yeah. what the competition has keep in mind you can find Pixel devices and import them, and you will pay a little bit of a premium. But honestly, sometimes you would be paying less than what you would get 
or have to pay if you're buying the device specifically for the Indian market. So I, I just went on uh, Google's website for India and the uh, Pixel 3a from last year was selling for uh, $460 US dollars when you did the currency conversion. And I believe that included you know any taxes that you would have to pay versus a $400 US price. So there, you're paying that premium there. Uh, but the Pixel 4a is going to be coming to India. It's not available yet. Uh, but with the Pixel 5 and the 5 or 4a 5G, I think Google decided it's not worth their time based off of how many devices would sell. They would probably mm -hmm. sell, you know, even though India is a massive market for smartphones, for the category that the or smartphone would be in, they would sell maybe a couple hundred thousand and the marketing budget and the work for distribution and getting all the devices in there, there's simply not enough profit margin for that to be viable for them as far as a market launch. Yeah, it's, it, it, it is an interesting prospect because there are a lot of, there are a lot, I'm sure there are a lot of people in all of these different markets that would love to be part of the iPhone systems to have stock Android uh, in some sort of device with like a pixel or whatever the case may be. But the barrier of entry is just so high. The thing is, all these other brands like Poco, Xiaomi, Oppo, um, even Huawei with some of their Nova devices, they they provide the compelling choice in Android. That is the price that we hope to get the Pixels and the iPhones here in the US. Uh, so that would be the. I get that that's the argument that people always bring up once uh, once this once this discussion comes up. It's like, well, I mean, you could just get the Poco X3 NFC for like two fifty, and yeah, like that's true. It's always been true, but it's a shame that more people outside of North America can't really enjoy the Pixels and the iPhones the way that we do, and for less of that price. So it's I don't know the market. The markets are so interesting, and that's something that we. That's something that we have to contend with even as people who are in the US sometimes, you know. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Honestly, though, the US gets far fewer devices than what the Indian mm -hmm. market and the Chinese markets get. You're looking at Poco phones, you're looking at Xiaomi phones, you're looking at Redmi phones, you're looking at Oppo phones, you're looking at all of these great uh Asian brands and in order to get like we get them to review but half of the comments on youtube from us viewers are why are you showing me this device it's not available here in the us it's like we get we get the reverse of what you're getting with the pixel people want to buy the poco phone except they have to find where they have to send it from hong kong or Shenzhen or somewhere where they have to send it and then pay import taxes into the US in order to purchase this device and then when it gets here it doesn't oh, work yeah. with 4G and 5G networks here in the US. So this isn't a India specific problem. It's not one market specific. It's everybody's dealing with it from from a different side. Uh some people have certain devices, some people don't. Um I wish it was different where OEMs would simply have a global store where they would ship them globally and you know fine tune the radios uh, so that they could work in the different markets. Unfortunately, we're not there yet. A lot of that has to do with the licensing fees that you have to pay to turn on mm -hmm. the different radio bands. The more bands that they turn on, the more they have to pay to Qualcomm and other patent owners. 
Uh, so it, it's one of those things where it would be great to have a device that could be a true global device that would go to any market. Unfortunately, we're, we're nowhere near that point. Yeah. Uh, a few last little comments from people, same or SSK. How long have you been live? Almost about half an hour, which means we have a few minutes left because these Q and A sessions post show hangouts and Q and A's are going to be about half an hour. Stag Overflower says hello from Italy. Oh, Nick from Italy. Um, and then Buonasera. Uh, Sigurd, jo- Sigurd Johansson asked, how are you guys doing? We're doing all right. Um, these podcast recordings that we do every Thursday or Friday tend to be the times that we get to hang out. So it's nice to be able to kick it. Um, oh, here's an interesting one. Uh, this has nothing to do with phones. We've talked about this entire time. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ritam. What do you think is the best laptop under 1500 for light gaming and editing? This is an interesting one because I have been diving into more computing content over on my personal channel. And right now I am about to get into a laptop that is literally made to be more affordable, but still have high gaming specs. It's an MSI GL65. I want to say it's GL65. It's the Leopard. And I think it's 1399, but it still has an NVIDIA 2070 in it which I think is fantastic. Uh, So it's going to come back to the whole idea that a gaming rig can actually work for multiple use cases. So I would actually say that might be one that you can look at. I haven't really dived into it a whole lot yet. Um, It is waiting for me to use it as a daily device because I'm still finishing my content on the Asus Zephyrus G14, which is, of course, everyone's favorite laptop right now. Everyone wants to bring it up no matter what. Mm -hmm. Uh, G14, fantastic laptop. But if you're looking to work on that laptop, there's no webcam. (laughs) It's an AMD laptop. So, of course, it doesn't have Thunderbolt. So don't go looking. don't, Don't go thinking you can put it in a dock. Um, so yeah, there are some things about the G14 that you have to remember. It is definitely a gaming forward 14 inch laptop. So let me just put that out there. Um, you've been, you've been getting into more computing stuff also recently. I have. Yeah. And I actually just finished reviewing the MSI GF 65, which is their budget gaming laptop, 999. And it has the, my, my complaint was that it only has eight gigabytes of Ram uh, but for nine ninety nine, that's pretty much what you're going to get. But it does have the twenty sixty inside of it, so mm-hmm. I enjoyed that device for some casual gaming. Uh, I'm not a huge PC gamer, so it, I I don't have all the great titles that all these all the gamers are usually playing. Uh, but I did enjoy Call of Duty Mobile on max specs and frame rates, which was amazing. So it has a one hundred twenty hertz uh, refresh rate display. But that was a great device, and I did video editing on that for about three and a half, four weeks, and it was a joy to edit on compared to the Ultrabook that I usually use. Uh, and since I had to send that one back, I was like, man, I'm, I'm really feeling the need to upgrade my main computer system so that I have something a little bit more powerful to do work on. Even though I don't do a lot of gaming, uh, that extra power is really, really felt when you're um, doing, uh, video editing and correction, not 120 Hertz, 144, 144. Um, yeah, I'm looking hurt time that the, the GL 65 leopard with the GTX 1650. So not the 2070 that I said earlier, that one I see on Amazon India. So I'm not sure you can probably take a look at it if you, if you're looking on Amazon. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, 
honestly, I am kind of an MSI fan, so I will usually gravitate to what they offer. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there that's looking really good. Um, I know Isa just did, it's not a gaming laptop, but she just did a video on the ZenBook 15. So 14, 15? Well, they both mm -hmm. exist. But they're both like thin and light laptops that have some light gaming and light editing available to them given the specs. So that might be another one that you might want to check out. Uh, but yeah, I think that will pretty much do it for our first ever post-show Q&A. This, of course, will be released as its own audio episode over on our feed. So if you're not already following PocketNow's um, podcast feed, make sure you do so, whatever podcasting app you choose. Uh, let's see. Any last ones here that we have? Stanley Ang 30, check out Zep Smartwatches. I really want to. Isa did. Um, I, I don't know if you... Got any word about a Zep smartwatch coming your way, Nick? Oh, which one? Zep Z E P P. No, but I have the Nubia folding curve display smartwatch that's oh, on whoa. its way to me. Uh, should be arriving on Monday, I believe. Uh, okay. Same one Michael Fisher checked out. So uh, excited to see that. I don't know how it will be compared to a regular smartwatch, but I'm sure the experience is going to be quite unique. Well, the Zeb smartwatch. Um, <laughs> okay, it's it, it's kind of an oversimplification, but if you get the Zeb E Square, it looks just like an Apple Watch with Wear OS. <laughs> there is a circular version of it, though. Um, Oh, it's an Amazfit. Um, it's an Amazfit umbrella company. Okay, that explains a couple of things. <laughs> oh, so okay, so it's gonna be just like all the other Amazfit watches. In a way, yeah. Um, I gotta double check. I got. I gotta double back on Isa's video and look at it again because it did. It looks good, and it just has Wear OS as the operating system. Otherwise, but it looks good. Um, so yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Well, uh, that'll do it. If we didn't get to your question, sorry. Uh, but uh, every week we're going to be doing these little post-show half-hour Q&As. Uh, so make sure you join us next week. Uh, we'll be back here on IGTV. I might do... I don't know. IGTV is usually pretty good. We get a lot of good engagement here, just like you guys uh, have been doing in the chat. Uh, one of our friends, Stacy, just joined the chat. Hey, Stace. Um, but yeah, maybe next week we'll be on... Facebook, Twitter, not too sure yet, but at the very least, we have one platform where you can say what's up to us, hang out with us and ask some questions as well. Uh, Nick, I know that half an hour ago, I literally had you do this already, but go ahead and tell everyone where to find you. <laughs> if you want to follow me, I am on Instagram, Twitter, and pretty much all other social media platforms at Nick M. Gray, or else you can follow my videos and reviews on youtube.com slash Fandroid or check out Fandroid.com. All right. Cool. Uh, for the rest of you, thank you so much for chilling with us here on the Pocket Now Instagram account. Look forward to more IG Live post show Q and A's every single week. Uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and call it on this one, and we'll see you all in the next one.